edition of the Pipe Bomb Wrestling Podcast, the show that is for the fans, by the fans. I am your phenomenal host, Mr. Podcasting, Chris Belcher. You can follow me at Chris Belcher 24 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The show is at PBW Podcast on those platforms. Give us a follow, interact with us. We would greatly appreciate it. Joining me, as always, is my partner in crime, Andy York, the young buck. Andy, how's it going, man? It's good, man. Uh, it's different that we're not in person for this one, but we there have are, broken the streak. We have broken the streak technically, but it's for a good reason. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'll just say episodes like this are ones I look forward to the most because you never know what's actually going to happen and what's going to be said. Well, that that and, is and the pipe and the pipe bomb wrestling podcast cannot be held accountable for what is said on this show. <laughs> that is true. Full disclosure. Full disclaimer. Um, uh, kids, put your earphones on because <laughs> your earmuffs, rather not your earphones, your earmuffs, because this is a bonus episode. We have a very special guest as we talk about WWE Survivor Series, ladies and gentlemen. Making his return to the show is my brother from another mother, the whole podcasting show, Mr. Jared Justice. Man, it's been too long. How are we? Man, I'm doing good. How are you all doing? Man, you know, can't complain. We're uh, Survivor Series is behind us. The much-anticipated War Games has finally made its way to the main roster after how many years we've been begging for it. Here it is. We're here to talk about it, but before we do... Want to remind you guys, make sure you're subscribed to the Bodyslam.net YouTube channel. That way you get our smiling faces each and every Friday and Tuesday if you're listening on the day this drops. Also, make sure you're supporting the guys over at SportsWire Radio. <clears throat> and if you just like your traditional audio, hit the subscribe button wherever you find your podcast. We would appreciate it very, very much. All right, guys, let's dive into it. Survivor Series War Games was this past Saturday. Lots of action that went down, but before we get there, we have to talk about Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt was not on the show. Bray Wyatt has been making some significant impact on SmackDown and on Raw, as we saw last night, which we'll get into in just a second. But Jared, I'm going to throw to you first, man. Andy and I have talked a lot about Bray and how this thing has been fleshed out the storytelling, how long is it going to be before he actually gets in the ring? How long is it going to be before he actually gets physical? Well, we saw him get physical, and that first victim has been L.A. Knight. So, two-parter, Jared, how have you felt about the way that they have been telling this story so far, and then now the insertion of L.A. Knight? How, just, how do you feel about the whole thing and the way that it's happened so far? So was the was LA Knight was that deal on Raw? So no. So what we've when seen the last that? couple of weeks on SmackDown, mm-hmm. since Jared has clearly not watched, it's fine. Um, <laughs> I watched so watch the pay view. Okay. Okay. So what we have so on SmackDown, LA Knight and Bray Wyatt three weeks ago had a backstage confrontation. Uh, LA Knight got in Bray's face. Bray headbutted him. Then Bray came out on SmackDown. He apologized. L.A. Knight came out, slapped Bray in the face, and uh, L.A. Knight said, okay, we're even. Bray said, okay, I deserve that, whatever. And Bray Wyatt told him to leave. He tried to shake his hand, said it was going to be the biggest decision of his life. L.A. Knight slaps him again, and then a whole bunch of crap gets dumped on top of L.A. Knight in the back and all kinds of just craziness. Bray Wyatt says he's not responsible. 
Uncle Howdy says he is. <laughs> so you got L.A. Knight. All that to say, L.A. Knight is the first opponent interaction with Bray Wyatt. So what do you think about just the whole situation in general? I, I love how comfortable we are with just saying, oh, Uncle Howdy. I mean, that's the most ridiculous name I've ever heard. Um, but <laughs> Bray Wyatt, I have loved the stuff that they have done. And um, I, I listened to what you had just told us, but I didn't actually watch it happen. So I thought maybe something new had happened. Anyways, um, I love the presentation so far. I think that it's telling a different story. We're actually getting to see Bray Wyatt, the person, uh, supposedly we think we are anyways. It seems more like him. It seems more like what we would think he is in real life. And now we're getting um, these other characters brought in. But it seems like these characters are all part of Bray's consciousness or, or whatever. Um, so, I mean, I think it's been a great presentation and they're telling a different story. I wondered how they were going to, how they were going to make this feel fresh with Bray. Mm -hmm. Um, instead of just like going back to the fiend and going back to being invincible and then losing to everybody. And I mean, last time it was a little chaotic. I didn't like the storytelling, but up so far this time, I think we're leading to something pretty good. It'll be interesting to see Andy, because we saw on SmackDown Bray reference the thing specifically for the first time and he got booed. Because mm -hmm. people like The Fiend. People want to see The Fiend. And Bray says, that's, that's not me. I'm not a monster, blah, blah, blah. But Uncle Howdy, again, says otherwise. Right. So we're, we're continuing to dive a little deeper into schizophrenic Bray, Andy, which, is, which continues to be very interesting. Yeah, and I think, I think him mentioning The Fiend kind of gives us an indication that we're not going to see The Fiend, at least for a long time, if ever again. Um, which, I mean, you know, that, that's what he was known for last time was the fiend. So obviously the way he cut the promo and the fans reaction played right into what he was saying in his promo of all you people really cared about was the fiend. Like I'm not, he's not, he wasn't saying he wasn't turning heel or anything, but he was just saying like, you just wanted to see the fiend. All you wanted to do is see the monster, the fiend inside me. And that's not who I am anymore. Um, I, I love the direction we're going with this. I think it's very interesting it's the first time that Bray has felt very sinister, not in like a backstage fight. Like the Firefly Funhouse stuff felt very sinister, but like in ring, cutting a promo in front of everybody, you don't know what's going to happen next. Right. And I think that's the most exciting thing is once we think we have this thing sort of figured out, they throw a curveball at us. and We're like, oh, we're starting all over again with this in a new direction. Right. I think it's yeah, it's it's really interesting because then all of a sudden you'll get Bray Wyatt fighting John Cena supposedly backstage because you can't see him. Um, <laughs> so you have all of that stuff going on, and it's just it's really interesting to see how this is going to play out. Yeah, what direction they're going to go if we wait for Bray to have a match and all the way until WrestleMania, if even then, I don't know, but. It's definitely, I love storytelling. We talk about this all the time in WWE where we get rewarded for paying attention. And if you've been a Bray Wyatt fan and if you've been paying attention to Bray Wyatt all the way back to Husky Harrison NXT, yeah. you're appreciating what is happening right now with Bray trying to be himself, but at the same time, let you know that he 
truly wrestles with these demons, whatever they are and however they manage to come out. So really interesting. I also really enjoy uh, it's these random video packages that we get and these random cuts in and out. Andy, I wonder if WWE outsources these videos, if somebody outside is producing these videos or if it's actually done in-house. Not that there's a right or wrong answer. I just think these videos are phenomenal. They, the execution of them is just brilliant, especially if you pay attention. Well, and they just, I mean, a couple months ago, they hired that horror director as long-term creative guy or whatever. Oh, that's so right. I'm sure, I'm, that. I'm, so I'm sure he has, has played a huge role in the production of Bray Wyatt, what, what's going on, the videos, all this stuff. Honestly, I... I feel like we said this with The Fiend for a majority of the time, and I feel like we're saying it now. I f- this feels like Bray Wyatt's baby. Like I feel like Bray Wyatt is the mastermind behind this. Obviously, Triple H and the – I forget his name, Rob something. Um, they, are, they are definitely involved in it, but I feel like Bray is coming up with a lot of this on his own kind of going sure. forward. Um, and so I, I, I think you're right. The video package is – if the video packages don't work, then this whole Bray Wyatt thing doesn't work. And these Absolutely. video packages have worked every single week to the point where when I watch them, when we watch them on Friday, my wife every time looks at me and goes, that it gets creepier and creepier every time. Uncle Howdy creeps her out. And I think it's the I think it's the lazy eye and the crying eye that freaks her out the most for, for some reason. But it's it's working to a T every single time. Jared, we saw last night on Monday Night Raw that the Bray Wyatt logo is continuing to follow Alexa Bliss. Now, I know we have had discussions on this podcast several times about how either do we keep Alexa far away from Bray? Do we put her back with Bray? Is this just showing that if she's not reunited with Bray, Bray still has this power over her? I don't know what to make of all this. And I know, again, we've discussed this on the show before, but it just seems like we're going further down this road of Bray showing his power over people, and I guess Alexa is the best callback for that. What What do you think? I mean, number one, I wish that I couldn't see this. <laughs> I, mean, I think um, Alexa is good by herself, man. I don't think she needs this crap again. Bray doesn't need her. He's great by himself. Uh, I mean, I just – I don't want to see this anymore. Maybe they're just trying to tie up a loose end. We'll see one last interaction, and then they can both go their separate ways. Mm. Uh, I mean, I think that's what we can at least be hopeful for. Right. Andy, what's your thoughts on, on everything with Alexa, especially last night on Raw? Uh, I don't think she's going to join him again. I think I think Jared might be right. This is a way to, to, to tie up a loose end. However – there's so much history between these two that I feel like you have to revisit something at some point. Sure. Um, and so maybe this is Bray getting, not getting her back, but getting revenge on her for what she did to the fiend and how, how mm-hmm. everything ended. Um, you know, cause we've seen kind of recently of like, maybe Bray shows up and then all of a sudden the screen goes black. And then when it comes back up, Alexa is buried under a bunch of stuff or, you know, we don't see him as physically attack her or anything, but I feel like we're going to, we're going to wrap this up in some way. And then they both go their separate ways. So I don't think Alexa and Bray are going to go back together. However, if they do, 
it's going to be better than last time because Vince isn't there <laughs> to, to convolute everything and screw everything up. So I feel like it's going to be somewhat better, but not completely better. How funny was it whenever that um, Alexa was making her way out to the ring on the pay-per-view and she's like getting tangled up in the cords and like having to <laughs> move around and get around them. That was something yeah. else I wish I couldn't have seen. <laughs> <laughs> that was very funny. All right. Oh, speak- oh, Chris, th- th- yes. th- th- I tell you that I had been seeing um, a 70 some year old woman recently. Yeah. Um, she died a little bit ago. She ghosted me, if you will. And now I can't see her either. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw a little joke in there, spice things. <laughs> oh ladies my gosh, and, ladies and gentlemen, that's Jared Justice. Uh, we don't allow him to come on the podcast Hey-o. all the time, but when he does, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Oh my gosh. Anyway. Like I said, we are not responsible for anything that is said on, the, on this episode. <laughs> the filters are gone on this episode, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's get into it. Uh, you guys mentioned Alexa Bliss. You guys mentioned the pay-per-view. Let's talk about it. it. Kicked off with the women's war games match. Team Bianca Belair getting the win with the help of their fifth member. Of course, I'm talking about Becky Lynch, who made her return last Friday on SmackDown. Uh, they get the win over Damage Control, Nikki Cross, and Rhea Ripley, which, Jared, I'm going to tee you up on this one. You texted me during this match, said this may be one of the worst things that you have ever watched. I am on the total opposite end of that. I thought it was fantastic. Did they change your mind by the end, or what were your thoughts? They did, yep. There's actually a match that takes place later that ends up being the worst thing I've ever watched. But <laughs> just um, during the the first little bit of this War Games match, the, the, the ladies' War Games match, I thought it was not it was not good. But once you got Becky Lynch in there, I uh, had some interaction with Rhea Ripley, which is something I can't wait to see. Yep. Um, then then I thought that things heated up, and they really turned things around, man. Um, I mean, you can start out having a really crappy match and then completely turn it around by the end if you push all the right buttons and hit all the right cues and do all the right things. And, and I mean, they impressed me. By the time it was over, I thought, I'm, I'm glad I watched this. This was, this was pretty fun. Yeah, I know that a lot of fans were talking about botches online and stuff. I know Ooh, I don't I don't know what EO was trying to do in the corner. I still haven't figured it out, but she landed on her head and it was just atrocious. But anyway, I didn't see very many other things that really like that like jumped out at me. You know what I mean? And Andy, you and I were texting and you said I think that makes part of what the war games makes it special is some of the things that you try that don't actually work out uh andy what were your thoughts on the match i i enjoyed it um i think it it was really great for what they like really good for what they were going for um i'm there were a lot of moments in this where a lot of people got to shine like a nikki cross jumping off the top of the jumping off the top into that pile i never would have thought she would have got that moment but that was a really cool moment obviously we both we both said in the preview Eo's going to jump, do a moonsault off the top of the cage at some point, and every time she does it, it's just it's just as beautiful as the time before. Except this time, I really thought Bianca broke something the way she kind of landed. Her leg looked like it got caught yeah. up underneath herself and Eo. That it looked rough, um, but then you get Becky involved, and just she's been here three days in the last week, and the women's division feels ten times bigger now that Becky is back. 
So I she's think the Be- <clears throat> she's the big time. Becky is the biggest thing in the women's division in any industry, in any company. She's the biggest name, bigger than Charlotte, bigger than Sasha, bigger than Bailey, bigger yeah, than Soraya. that clown, Ronda, Ronda Rousey, bigger than Soraya, bigger than Britt Baker. Like she is, when you think of women's wrestling right now, the first name, the first person that comes up is Becky Lynch. And I'm so glad <clears throat> that we've kind of dropped the big time thing. And it's the man that is now back that is just ready to knock people's heads off and do what she can do. And so that was, I was really, really impressed when she got into the match. Did she really drop the big time thing though? Because, like, did you notice her outfit? Like, as she came out, it still had like the big thing coming up. And yeah, it looked well, like I, a big time Becky Lynch outfit. Here's <laughs> what I'll say about that. Number one, her her new T-shirt that they clearly just produced when she came back does say Big Time Bex. Yeah. Um, and it does look like her Big Time gimmick, which it, I think she can do a Big Time gimmick and still be a baby face and oh, yeah. still be the man and all that kind of stuff. But, Jared, I think to your point about her gear, I think that may have been to hide possibly a wrap or a brace on her shoulder from her coming back from being injured. So if you notice, like this side of her was exposed and you can see obviously, but I think this may have been maybe to hide something. I don't know that to be a fact. That was just my initial reaction to it. So I never even thought about that, but I don't I mean I guess we'll see if she keeps having like the big elaborate outfits, which I hope she does. I mean, I, I I think she looks cool, and it sets her kind of apart coming out in these just really atrocious outfits that are just <laughs> over the top. But it's so funny, like, you know, right. with her personality, I just think it suits her. I think there's a way to marry the two together for her yeah. to not be so yeah. over as over the top as she was, but be the man at the same time. So I think there's a way to, to be able to do both. I think the over the top stuff will just come at pay per views. Like I think she'll yeah, she'll come true. out and, and pay per view attack. Kind of, I mean, obviously Seth comes out and all the fancy crap that he comes out in, but his ring gear is basically the same until we get to a pay per view, and then it's something crazy yeah. like a dragon at Clash of the Castle or whatever it was. Right. Um, but I think with this, I think with Becky. I think the more she's the man on weekly shows, I mean, we saw on Monday, she cut a promo in the crowd and the crowd was going crazy for it. And they, they loved every second of it. So I think the more she's reverts back to the man on the weekly shows, and then she can be big time Bex, you know, during the pay-per-views. I think that, that is a great way to kind of marry the two together. Well, I think she can use big time just as a gimmick, like Sean. Oh, absolutely. Or, you know, what have you big match, John. (laughs) <laughs> big match John exactly so big time backs it's I, I think it works I think it's fine but like to your all's point when she came out on Monday Night Raw or even at Survivor Series or whatever the graphic on the screen says the man yeah and we hadn't seen that in a long time so it's that's a clear statement that Becky Lynch as we know and love her is back and, you know, like you said, we saw on Monday, she cut the promo on the crowd. We saw a huge brawl up through the concourse and through the merchandise stand, which, Andy, we speculated that she would, since she was showing up on SmackDown last week, we thought she would transition over to the SmackDown brand, but maybe they're saving that for after the Rumble. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think right now the clear direction is 
Becky wins the Rumble, goes to SmackDown, challenges Ronda at WrestleMania this year, and finally puts the nail in the Ronda coffin, and we move on forever. Um, <clears throat> but I, I will say one thing about the Brawl Monday night that I loved. I don't know if you saw EO Sky wearing the neck brace, fighting all over the place. She had still had a neck brace selling the war games, but was wrestling and fighting Becky, which I, I thought was no, fantastic. I did, yeah. I did not notice that. That's really Yeah, funny. she had a neck brace on. <laughs> but, Jared, let me ask you this. We obviously we're headed towards it seems like we're headed finally to Becky Ronda at WrestleMania. Becky's back, Becky's cleared, Ronda's the champion, yada yada yada, whatever. Obviously, you don't have to be nowadays, especially, you don't have to be on one brand or the other, seemingly to have a match. Like it, it's just gonna happen. But Andy alluded to the fact that okay, Becky wins the rumble, sets up her and Ronda. Do we even need the rumble win for that? Jared, what do you think? I don't think so. I don't. I mean, I don't care how you get to it. Um, it's going to be a big match. It doesn't matter if it's for the bail at the time. Um, it doesn't matter if it's not. Um, there, there's going to be stakes to see who is the best. Because just like whenever you all were talking earlier, that Becky is the name right now of the women's division of professional wrestling. Well, you could also say Rhonda's pretty high up there too. She's she's knocking on the door. I mean, you, you, both ha- both are household names. I sure. would still beg to differ that more households know Rhonda Rousey than they do Becky Lynch. But um, may- maybe just with the wrestling audience, Becky is the mm-hmm. bigger name. But at some too, the the mega powers have to collide, brother. And so- and that's. And that's exactly why Rhonda is still hanging around. So as to really pass that torch from rest, not necessarily from wrestling, but from maybe from a pop culture standpoint to Becky Lynch. And, you know, you could argue that a lot of people outside of wrestling do know Becky Lynch right now, you know, but to Jared's point, Rhonda Rousey is still, she's still, her name still carries that weight. So that's why, again, we finally, head on a collision course to WrestleMania in Hollywood, Ronda Becky, night one main event. I mean, Andy, it writes itself. Yeah, it really does. I think, I mean, it just depends on which two, which two you want to win the Rumble. Because I feel like right now the the, the two top names are going to be Becky and, and Charlotte. Because I feel like we're heading to Charlotte Bianca at, at WrestleMania as well as Becky and Ronda at WrestleMania. So I, I don't really know which direction you go in. I think, I think either Becky wins the Rumble or Becky wins Elimination Chamber to become number one contender. The the end result's still going to be the same. We're going to get Becky Ronda one on one at WrestleMania. Most would argue probably like five years too late, four years too late, but we're finally here. This match is going to happen, and then it'll be interesting to see which direction we kind of go in because neither neither Becky or Ronda have brought up the other since probably after WrestleMania 35. So it's right. going to be really interesting to see what's going to happen with that. Well, if you noticed at the pay-per-view, so um, as Ronda Rousey is leaving, she mouths to the crowd, this is not a democracy. I'm the GD queen. Why did she say queen? What, what made her just all of a sudden start calling her the queen? Unless mm. she's going after Miss Charlotte Flair. Interesting. That is interesting. She might. I, I I think you could see. I think you could have that match at the Rumble, 
That way yep. you get that match and you get Becky as well at Mania. So I don't see why Charlotte wouldn't come back after Ronda after the title that she lost. That would make sense. So, Jared, good pickup on your point. I'll tell you a wild card right now in winning the Royal Rumble and throwing a wrench in this whole thing is Rhea Ripley. Yes. You put Rhea Ripley as the winner of the Rumble and Ripley and Bianca at Mania for that Raw Women's title. I mean, that's something to consider right there. I know it seems like all signs are pointing to Charlotte and Bianca, which would be a money match, but Rhea Ripley's getting some steam, and especially since she came back and got cleared from injury, don't be shocked if she doesn't win that Rumble. Yep. And and I think that like <laughs> they did – Several times during this pay-per-view, I think that there were spots that were set up to see how the crowd would would react to two people facing off. And sure. one was clearly Becky and Rhea. And the mm-hmm. other one, which we'll talk about later, was KO and um, Roman Reigns. I mean, right. like it was like time stopped and you had a face-off and you had time to listen to the crowd reaction before the two collided. So I think that was done on purpose. I'm sure it was because Triple H is smart and he does things on purpose. <laughs> so I agree. Uh, we talked about Ronda Rousey. Let's quickly gloss over that match because I think we can all agree that there's not much to talk about Ronda Rousey defeating Shotzi. Uh, the only thing really that stood out to me is they let uh, Shotzi do the cool spot where she jumped into the crowd and they took over two people. That was kind of cool. But other than that, Andy, this match was a snooze fest. <clears throat> this match was it was worse than what I thought it was going to be, which is saying a lot because I had zero expectations for this. Um, <laughs> I look, I don't put the blame fully on Ronda because I think Shotzi is not fully there yet. But there were moments in this match where you could tell Ronda did not really want to be in this match. You could tell there were moments <laughs> in this match where Ronda did not want to take the bumps that she was about to take. For example the DDT on the apron or wherever it was, she just completely screwed that up. I mean, she just completely screwed that up. So I I have said this before, and I'll say it again. Ronda is a cancer in the women's division. She is not good for anybody. She just needs to go away and never come back. I, I would be happy if I never see a Ronda Rousey match again in my life. Hmm. T- tell us how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll say this. Uh, I said this on the preview, and I'll say it again. I think Jake Cargill is better than Ronda Rousey. Oh, stop it. Stop yeah. it. No. This, was, this was the match I was talking about that ended up truly being maybe the worst women's match I've ever seen. Yep. I mean, this was, this was awful. Turd sandwich. Okay, Jared. <laughs> let's piggyback on what Andy just said. You said it sucked. Andy says it sucked. I think it sucked. Okay, fine. But do you think Ronda Rousey is worse than Jade Cargill? Worse, yes, that's what Andy just right, Andy. Right, I mean, I think Rhonda, when she has the right opponents, can do pretty daggone good. See, I think um, so too, but at the same time, and you all are going to go, Oh my god, but um, I think that Jay Cargill is going to be good. Her presentation, everything, the way she dresses up like these superheroes, and she makes it look like the way she's built through dedication of going to the gym and being an athlete, she looks like she could be a superhero. 
and I don't think she's always terrible. Um, I mean, she's not good by any stretch of the imagination, but she's progressing. Um, now, Rhonda, on the other hand, I don't think she's progressing. I think when she when she started in the match that we saw her at at WrestleMania, yep. Yep. that she has kind of been on a downhill slope instead of where Jade Cargill is on an uphill slide. So I, I can agree with that, but I still think Rhonda is better than Jade. Right, right now, yes. Right now, yes. Well, here's the thing about Rhonda is in a weird, and it's weird to say this. Rhonda has more wrestling experience than Jade. Because Ronda started before Jade did. But also, Ronda has the MMA background, which, you know, they legit fight. So she should look like she's somewhat good in a ring at some point. I agree. From WrestleMania 34, the best match she has had, one of the best matches was that WrestleMania 34 match. I think it's because we all had such low expectations. Then she got in there, and she was like, oh, she's not bad at this. Like, she can hold her own in the ring. that, That first run she had, where she fought like Alexa Bliss and she fought Sasha and we had in the WrestleMania 35. That was a good run. But ever since she's come back, it has been, there's not been one match where I'm like, oh, that was actually pretty good. Like I have not seen one match. All of her matches with Charlotte were, the WrestleMania one was extremely boring because we, we both sat there and was like, wow, that was terrible. The last woman standing match or I quit match was okay at best. Better. Yep, it was better. It was better, but it was okay at best. And then all the other ones have just been absolutely terrible from that point on. I think I think to Jared's point, it matters who you get Rhonda in there with. If you get Rhonda in there, now we put her in there with Charlotte and it wasn't great. Well, yep. I think some egos could probably have something to do with that. Probably. Um, but it depends on who you get Rhonda in there with. I have not the thing with Jade is I haven't seen her in there with a good enough talent to know that if she can rise up and we haven't seen Jade versus Britt Baker. We haven't seen Jade versus, um, we've seen Jade versus what Ruby. Have we seen Ruby Soho and Jade? Yeah. Ruby. I think Ruby challenged for the title first or something. Okay. Again, I don't think, if we could get Jade in there with somebody like a Sasha Banks, or we get Jade in there with somebody like a Bailey or a somebody like that, that would be a real test to see. Okay. Like Jared said, Jade is on this uphill trajectory, which I completely agree with. Don't, don't get me wrong. I still think she's the worst women's wrestler out there right now, but she is growing. She is getting better. I need to see somebody. Yes, I said it. You, I need to see her in there with somebody that she's not bigger than or she's not can just mow over and beat and just look strong against. I need to see her face some adversity, get her in there with somebody that is far better than she is, and let's see what happens. But who do you have in, in the AEW women's roster that you could even do that with? You don't. That's no. the problem. Well, I mean, you could put Britt in there. I think Britt's the obvious one, like the first name, oh, Britt Baker. Yes, Britt is is the top of the division. Yeah, and I think you could throw, I think you could throw Tony Storm in there. Um, I think you could throw Athena in there. I don't know if the, Athena and Jade have, have wrestled yet. I don't remember if they have or hadn't wrestled yet. Athena um, and Tony Storm, I, I could see. Yeah, I and I think don't... Jamie Hader, like J- you could throw Jamie Hader in there as well, and I think it would be it would be fine. However, I will go back to you saying that 
she's the worst women's wrestler right now. As long as Tamina is still active, nobody's worse than Tamina. <laughs> well, I Marina Shafir. Okay, that okay, as well. Okay. <laughs> that Jade as well. Is, Jade is better than Marina Shafir. I'll give you that. Okay. Jade is um, ten times better than Tamina. I just don't know that my dog ever, is better than Tamina in the ring. <laughs> I don't know that we're ever going to see the full potential of Jade Cargill until she gets in there with somebody with the experience that is fu- I wouldn't even trust it against Soraya right now because of right. you know her not being active for so long and whatever. Jade I would kill Soraya on accident. <laughs> no, let's, not have that match. let's please not have that match. All right, let's move on. We've talked about the women. Uh, let's talk about AJ Styles and Finn Balor. These two dudes, oh my gosh. Everything that I needed this match to be, it was. This did not disappoint. AJ Styles gets his first singles win since Crown Jewel 2019. (laughs) Hello. Um, But Andy, we talked about on this show, we talk about it all the time, how Finn Balor is getting a major push obvious and it seemed like that he needed to win this match to continue that push but we also made the argument that aj could very much benefit from winning because of the streak that i just mentioned right so it still makes balor feel like a big deal even though that he lost i don't think it mattered who won or lost this both guys were going to look great coming out of this i mean it's aj styles versus finn balor you can't even a bad night is still better than most guys, like most people in the ring. Um, I don't think it was as good as their TLC match because I think that TLC match was just random and at a perfect time. And they we had no expect we had expectations, but it happened so quick that we were like, oh, this is happening, and then boom, it happened. This had a lot of build and intrigue behind it. However, we have been burned, and I'm I'm not dissing AJ, so Chris, don't come to the computer and kill me. Oh, Lord. We have been we have been burned with AJ dream matches before. Um, I mean, AJ Shinsuke at WrestleMania, AJ edge at WrestleMania. Both of them are not bad by any stretch of the imagination. They're just, they're not what we thought they were going to be. This match was everything we thought it was going to be. It was fantastic. That was the perfect build of, they didn't try to do too much too quick. It was a slow build. They got a lot of time to wrestle. They got a lot of time to work. And I, I absolutely loved it. It was not match of the night. It was close, but it was was not match of the night, but it was really, really good. It was close. The one that we're going to talk about next probably is. But, Jared, go ahead. Thought, thoughts on this match, AJ and Finn? I loved it. Um, which, I mean, there's, I don't know that there's been a time that these two have been in the ring together that I haven't loved it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're both great. Um, I still – no, I'm – I don't feel like either of them are being featured as prominently as they should be. And you can say that they're both somewhat older guys in the wrestling business type of sense. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, they're not old men by any you know stretch of the imagination, but they've both been around a while. And you can say, oh, well, they need to push new people. But these two guys, the way they wrestle, they still wrestle like the young guys. So why would you not keep pushing them in, in much more prominent roles? And I'm talking right underneath or even at a world championship level, you know, knocking on that door to get the next title shot constantly. 
them battling each other and battling with uh, some other people who are, are on their level. Um, I just think they should be featured more prominently is my only thing I have to say about this match. It was great. I agree. I mean, obviously, these are two guys that, you know, we both, we all three talk about quite extensively on this show that, you know, nobody wrestles as good as these guys do. Every time these guys are out there, you can't have a bad match, you know. So you put them in there together. Obviously, we're going to get what we got, which was fantastic. It's very interesting, though. We saw Finn Balor and Roman Reigns. We we know what that debacle was. Probably <laughs> won't be seeing AJ and Roman Reigns because of AJ's beef with Paul Heyman. So that probably won't happen until Roman loses the titles. But it's really interesting, Andy, because this AJ Judgment Day feud has literally been going on all year. And we saw on Monday that it doesn't appear that it's over. We are continuing. Why are we continuing this feud? I think Monday was the. I think Monday was the final straw. I think Monday was you the think? nail in the coffin. Yeah, because we finally got the four on four match. All four members right. versus all four members. Judgment Day got the win. Okay, now we can kind of move on and do something else. I will say though, this is not the Johnny Miz effect. Like this feud has been going on all year long, but it's not been. Especially since Triple H has taken over, it's been since Triple H has taken over, it's actually been really good, and it's been a lot of fun to go through. Before that, it was a, a drag. It was it was kind of slow. We were ready for it to end. Now we're kind of moving on. So I'm I'm excited to see what both groups do. I think we already talked about Rhea. Obviously, is right up there to go after Bianca for the title at WrestleMania or the Rumble or whenever the case is. Um, I think you put Finn Balor. And AJ Styles kind of in that U.S. championship contention right now as well because there's no other title to fight for on Raw. Um, but I, I, I think we are finally done with Judgment Day and OC because I feel like Monday was the final nail in the coffin. The Judgment Day loss. Rhea Ripley got the pin. Let's just move on. So uh, we're talking about, Chris just mentioned, AJ having a beef with Paul Heyman, which I, I, after – I say my, my little piece here, then I, I kind of want to hear exactly what that is. Because I've read about it, but I, but I forget. But, but the question that I wanted to ask is, did either of you read on the websites? It's been within the past couple of weeks. Um, Kevin Nash talking about an encounter he had with AJ, where that uh, Nash, and I'm paraphrasing here, I'm not going to get what they said exactly right because I don't have it in front of me. Do you but, know but, if this was? Do you know if this was in TNA days or was this – uh, recently, if I'm not mistaken, it was while AJ has been in the WWE was the okay. way it sounded when I read it, but I don't think it's specified. Okay, um, but but Carry this on. is a, this is a story that just happened within the past few weeks, month max. Anyways, okay. um, so Kevin Nash, according to the way Kevin Nash tells the story, told AJ basically that he needs to go out and enjoy the moment. Now I'm thinking it was at a WrestleMania. Um, but, but this was said backstage. And AJ, which does not fit his character at all. I know AJ says some words, but he kind of has like a, a Christian type of character that, about him, if you if you know anything about his personal life. And, and maybe he's not still like that. Maybe he is. But supposedly he told uh, Kevin Nash to shut the F up, which does not sound like something AJ would say. When Kevin Nash supposedly was just telling AJ, hey, man, uh, you're, you're not, uh, you, one day you're going to be like me. 
you're going to be too old to go out there and do this. So whenever you go out, go out there, just kind of take a second to stop and smell the roses and take everything in because one day you won't have it anymore. And now AJ basically said something to the effect of shut the F up and walked off. I take that as that's one side of the story. I'd like to hear what the other side of the story is or what the right. context of it is. Because from what it doesn't I, sound like AJ, right? From what I have heard and read, and what AJ has said himself, AJ's really hard on himself. There is no bit bigger critic of AJ Styles than AJ Styles, and he always wants to be the best. And when he's not, he beats himself up over it. So I think that the context of that could have been that AJ was hard on himself and Nash said, Hey, just go enjoy the moment. And AJ saying, it's hard for me to do that. I can't do that. Leave me alone. I need to, you know, get all this straight or, or what have you. That's how I interpret it, but I don't know for sure. That, that um, would make only, sense. And Andy fill in on this too. The only thing that I know about the Paul Heyman beef is it happened when Paul Heyman was over creative of Monday night raw. And something happened with, I think AJ blamed Heyman for the Good Brothers getting fired. Had something to do with that. Um, and that's why AJ switched brands to get away from Paul. And then when Paul went over to SmackDown with Roman, AJ went back to Raw. So I think there's quite a bit of beef there, but I think it started somehow with Anderson and Gallows. Yeah, I think they they were promised the big push or something like that, and then Paul doesn't wasn't keen on them, so he decided he wasn't going to push them. I think that's where I think that's where a majority of it came from. And then when they pushed back, I, they got released, and all of that kind of happened from there. So I think AJ blames Paul Heyman for the Good Brothers being fired. The Good Brothers obviously blame Paul Heyman for them being released as well. So there's just a lot of uh, a lot of hatred there from the OC towards Paul Heyman and which could turn watch, into a good storyline. <laughs> it could. You're right. If you watch the 365 documentary on Peacock on AJ Styles, one of the stops in that documentary that it highlights is AJ versus Brock Lesnar as Survivor Series and you see he and Paul Heyman backstage and Paul Heyman cuts this promo that is very personable, very putting AJ over as one of the best to ever lace up a pair of boots that kind of thing and aj and paul have this moment where it's a real thing well then that was the situation before then all of this happened afterwards so it used to be a good thing now it's not so that's from speculation and everything that i've read that's what i know all right let's move on to probably the match of the night uh you may put war games in there but this triple threat match was one that just absolutely tore the house down. Austin Theory picking up the win and the U.S. championship for a second time over Seth Rollins and Bobby Lashley. This match was just absolutely insane. Now, Jared, you and I were in the building for a Seth Rollins triple threat match to kick off WrestleMania that was, in my opinion, one of the best WrestleMania matches of all time. Not asking you to compare that match to this one, but it just seems like, again, the, the common theme in all these things is Seth Rollins. And yeah, he, he does it again. Yeah. And he's another one that, um, just like uh, AJ and Finn, I feel like should be 
portrayed as more of a big deal. Um, you know, right now I understand that we're focusing mainly on Roman and the whole bloodline storyline, and that's what's, you know, and, and even Bray at this point is, is the other big thing. But, uh, man, Seth Rollins, he's another one of those that it seems like whatever he touches turns into gold when it comes to matches. It doesn't even matter if it's a one-on-one match. Uh, but you get him in a triple threat match situation, and you can see some crazy spots like that stomp um, off the back of one to the other. Uh, I mean, that was insane. And I, I thought it was pretty cool how that Seth, you could tell he put some thought into how he was going to execute this move. Because instead of just doing the stomp like he normally does, he kind of did the stomp and then kind of went down to his back just right. to make sure that he executed it properly and didn't actually curb stomp somebody. Um, so, I, <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. And then Andy, too, Seth Rollins, again, stealing the show with, with some of these spots. Man, the frog splash breakup of the pen that came out of nowhere. Oh, my yeah. God. He does that, I feel like, in every triple threat match. Is There's a spot where you, there's a pinfall where you think it's going to happen, and Seth just comes flying in and breaks it up. Can we call him the king of triple threat matches? Because I don't think can. he's had a bad one. Because you have you've had you have this one, you have the one at WrestleMania, you have the Royal Rumble with him, Brock and Cena, that was the, maybe one of the best triple threat matches I've ever seen in my entire life, if not the best. And then you have the Shield triple threat at uh, Battleground that was amazing as well. So he just every time he's in a triple threat match, he does something crazy. This was one of those. He busted out a Phoenix Splash, which he has not ever hit in WWE, but he always misses it beautifully. And I, I, I love when he misses it. He does amazing with it. And the finish to this, I mean, the finish to this was brilliant. Yep, Absolutely was brilliant. brilliant because Bobby still looks strong, Seth still looks strong, and Austin Theory stole the win. Yep. And so the finish to this was amazing. I hate it because Seth just won the title, and now he's already lost it. We kind of thought that was going to happen. Maybe he can go do – maybe he goes after Roman now at the Rumble again, revisit that or something. Um, but I, this match was the best match of the night. Absolutely amazing stuff. Yeah. Why, why do you think it is that Triple H chose to play this story out with Austin Theory where that he gets absolutely annihilated multiple times over the span of weeks, and then like a big dummy, he cashes in his money in the bank for the friggin' U.S. title, which is, they have this U.S. this thing called U.S. Title Open. You don't need to use the briefcase to cash in on this belt. Anyway, what, what uh, I mean. I had anyway, the same so reaction, he, Jared. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad this is happening right now. I had the same exact reaction. He cashes in. He does not win. And then now he goes here, has a phenomenal showing of a match. I mean, he's involved in a spectacular match. And he's U.S. champion now. Um, explain this to me. <laughs> I'll explain Why? it to you. I'll explain. I'll ask you how you feel about it. I, I was going to say I would ask you how you feel about it, but clearly we know how you feel about it. <laughs> um, that was going to be my next question to you. But the answer is simply, and I'm going to go back to it, exactly what I said last week on the show and the week before and the week before. We are in the age of long-term storytelling with Triple H, an age and a situation that we have never, ever, ever been in. We are used to Vince McMahon waking up on the wrong side of the bed 
and taking either somebody's title or somebody's first name. Like, who knows what's going to happen that day. Now, with Triple H, these things are planned out. So, yes, we remember that Theory dropped the briefcase and did whatever Theory did and looked like an idiot. Three weeks later, he's the champ again, and he looks like a completely different guy, and people are bought into the fact that this is the new Austin Theory, and it is working. Now we believe that he could beat somebody in a triple threat match, whereas three weeks ago, it took a tremendous blunder for him to have a wake-up call and figure these things out. It's Triple H's storytelling that we're just going to have to get used to. I, I agree with like 95% of what you just said. The only thing I'm, I might push back on is the way he won the title does not help him out in a lot of ways. Because, because if he would have just, if he would just outright beat Seth or pin Seth or Bobby, last, uh, not last night, whenever it was, Saturday night, um, if he'd have just outright pinned him, then I would have said, yeah, now he's, now he's believable to beat anybody. He sure. just stole this win. And so I, I after any, he lost his money in the bank briefcase after Seth got murdered by Bobby Lashley. Still couldn't get it done. So like, I, I feel like, yes, this is the best theory we've had. By a landslide, this is the best theory we've had. But there's still so much that we could be doing with him to build up his character even more. To not just be the lucky guy, but to be, oh, this guy is actually a threat that we need to take serious. Because I still don't think we, t- we should take him that seriously. No. I mean, he came, out, he came out with the Beyblades Tron and won. Was funny. I agree. Yeah, I agree. There's still some work to be done with theory, but now it's a now I don't. We're heading there, though. I think I don't feel like we're getting we're getting him shoved down our throats like we were under the right. Like now, I feel like it's we're taking our time. We're getting it figured out. Is did it suck that it was at the expense of the Money in the Bank briefcase? Absolutely, it did. Because like Andy so eloquently put three weeks ago on the podcast, like that briefcase is like the holy grail in WWE. Like it needs to be treated as such, and it was not. So to Jared's point, it doesn't make a lot of sense the way that it happened. Could we have found a better way to get the briefcase off of him? Probably. But guess what? That was three weeks ago. Now he's U.S. champion. He was... Uh, in one of the he was in the best match of the pay-per-view with Seth Rollins and with Bobby Lashley and he looks like he's going to continue this feud with Seth Rollins and we just said that you can't have a bad match when you're in the ring with Seth Rollins so Rollins is going to make him look even better than he already does and in three more weeks Theory is still going to be on this upward, upward trajectory I can't talk today well, Jared, does that make sense? it makes sense <sighs> And at the same time, in which I know you're a WWE shield, we, we all know this. Um, but, and I am too, to an extent. Not to the extent you are, but to an extent. And so it irks me whenever that people say, just like Vince McMahon, oh, well, he's a wrestling genius. He's, he, you know, he's been right more than he is wrong. Let's just wait and see. It's okay. And now you've got Triple H in there, and it's, oh, well, this is a brand new era. We don't know how Triple H is going to do things. And it's long-term, long-term. A year from now, it's going to make sense. And, but when Tony Khan does something ignorant, then all the WWE people are like, oh, my God, he's so stupid. Why has this happened? Blah, 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 blah. It, 
it, you could also say, well, this is the first time ever that Tony Khan has ever been in charge of things. It doesn't matter how long he's been in charge of things. This is the first time ever. So he's going to make mistakes. He's going to make blunders. We don't know how he's going to book. I just feel like a lot of times that it, it, it's unfair the way people kind of give WWE a pass. And some AEW sites give AEW a pass no matter what, and they crap on WWE. But both shows, we're now in a situation with Vince gone where you've got two people running wrestling who have never done it before. So we don't know how they're going to book. We don't know this. We don't know that. We don't know if they just suck or if this is going to make sense in a year. You know, we just don't know. You're trying to apply too much logic to an illogical situation. <laughs> See, you say that all the time. But here's, but Triple H has been on record to say that he wants to bring realism back to WWE, which means if you're going to bring realism to WWE, there has to be logic to it as well. So I, it's one of those, like, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. You have to pick which one, which one you're going to do. And I feel like the same is true with AEW. Like, we... We both have at times criticized waiting too, like with Hangman Page, waited too long to put the title on him. That may be true. He did it just right with MJF. Like he he has done perfect with MJF, getting the title, this whole thing, all this build to that. So like I feel like there are going to every Booker is going to mess something up at some point. Yep. Like Triple H has not Triple H has not done a great job with um, the women's tag team championships. Like they just kind of bounced around or Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano is a big one for me that he, we all said Johnny is WWE bound with triple H is going to be the next big thing. He's going to be right up there with Seth Rollins, all this other stuff. And now he's in a no, nothing feud with the Miz and he's already sucked down the Miz vacuum of terrible feuds. Everybody's going to mess something up at some point. So, yeah, we should call out when they mess up, but also be like, yeah, they messed up, but they're also, like, killing it with Bray Wyatt in the bloodline. Or, you know, Jay Cargill's not the best, but Tony Khan's killing it with MJF and uh, combat uh, Blackpool Combat Clubs. Like, you got to take the good with the bad and just realize not everything's going to work. Not everything's meant to work for everybody. Like, there are people out there that love what Johnny's doing right now, and there are people out there like us that are like, man, get Johnny something better. Right. Yes. And hopefully we saw on Monday Night Raw that Dexter Loomis did win the match, won a contract. So hopefully this is the end. I don't know. Probably <clears throat> get one more Johnny Miz match, I would guess, out of the whole thing. But we'll see what happens. Uh, you mentioned the bloodline. Let's talk about it. We can't get out of here before we talk. The main event of War Games, the bloodline getting a huge win over the brawling brutes with Drew McIntyre and Kevin Owens and guys, the storytelling that has been going on through this whole thing and through the whole match and this whole Sami Zayn stuff is just brilliant. Like it is done so, so, so well. The details of what is happening between all of these guys, the facial expressions, the fact that Sami Zayn did not, by breaking up the pinfall, he stopped the referee from counting instead of hitting Kevin Owens, waiting and then hitting Kevin Owens. And just the whole thing was just fantastic. Andy, I thought it delivered on all fronts. Uh, it it over delivered. <laughs> it, it was everything we wanted it to be and so much more. This. The thing about War Games is, yes, the match is really cool, but I feel like it's a perfect tool for storytelling. 
And that's exactly what they got right here with the, was the storytelling. I mean, even the callbacks to, you know, like you said, he didn't touch Kevin Owens until the, like, the very last second, low-blowed him, and then hit the Huluva kick. But then there was like a callback to their battleground match where he caught him, put him back in the corner, hit it again, and then dropped him and let Jey Uso get the pin. Um, the storytelling in this was amazing. It's even to the point where when the buzzer went off and Jimmy was about to go in, Roman stopped Jimmy, pointed at Sammy, said, you go help him. The, Jimmy, you wait. Sammy, uh, Sammy, you go help. Like all of that little stuff was not absolutely only, amazing. Not only does that story go back the night before when you had the uh, the Jay Uso, Sammy Zayn stuff, and Jay going to Roman, and then yeah. you have Roman and Sammy earlier in the night. But this goes back the whole six months because Jay Uso has been the one that is pushed back on Sammy, and now Roman yep. is saying, "Sammy, you go." Let's yep. see how you two actually work together. Let's see if Sammy is really bought in. And Jared, by the end of it, dude, the <clears throat> from Friday Night SmackDown, that stuff, the interactions with Jey Uso and the stuff with Roman before the match and during the match, Sammy Zayn's emotions, the way they are able to come through, just sent this thing to another level, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, this this is what we as wrestling fans all dream about. This this is what we remember, and we look back at the old days of when there was more storytelling, and we all long for that. Well, we're getting it with this storyline. Yep. Um, and everything's planned out perfectly. I mean, just just like you were saying, um, Roman says, "Nope, Sammy, you go next." And was it? I mean, you're sitting there thinking of all these reasons why it made sense. And the thing that went through my head was, okay, if Sammy's going to turn on anybody, it's going to be Jay. That's right. So let's let's go ahead and send them out there. Let them, you know, piss each other off. And then if he's going to turn, it's going to be now. And we know what we're up against as the bloodline. We'll go in there and we'll destroy him right along with, you know, Kevin Owens and, and his gang. So, I mean, just every, everything's made so much sense. Uh, lo- logic. There you go. What a concept. <laughs> right, and not only that go ahead Andy well no go ahead go ahead I was just gonna say like not only is the storytelling in this match great and the facials and the will they won't they and the drama of this whole match guys we had 10 guys in there that are pretty freaking good wrestlers that put on a really good match with all of this going on you've got former world champions in there you've got future world champions in there you have probably one of the greatest tag teams of all time in there. And then you've got Ridge Holland. But anyway, um, you've got all of these guys there who really know what they're doing. And Andy can, can put on a great match at the same time that all these stories are going on. Yeah. I, this was exactly what we wanted from a war games match on the main roster is this exact storyline, this exact story that we're telling and they got every single aspect of it perfectly, even to the point where, like, there were there were uh, false finishes when Kevin Owens hit the stunner and pinned Roman. Like, we thought maybe that was it for a second. Even to the point where, you know, we're all going back and forth. I love that the table spots were not the finish because I feel like that's always a finish in a and the NXT War Games match was everybody gets put through a table then we pin. Even in the women's match, like it was a table spot that ended the match. This was like no, the tables are just used as a way to neutralize Drew McIntyre, to neutralize all these other people. Um, I will say, 
if I this is just nitpicking. If I just had to nitpick something, I wish Sheamus would have got more shine in this because I feel like he did great, but I feel like he wasn't one of the talking points coming out of this. And we both have kind of speculated that he would be one of the talking points. And then we're heading to Seamus Roman at rumble. I don't feel like that's going to be the case anymore. I feel like we're heading more towards Roman Kevin at the rumble. Um, And then we kind of go from there. However, I will say this, if the bloodline's going to turn on Sammy, expect it sooner rather than later. I think, I think now that they've got him in, there's a specific shot of all of them standing there where Jay and Roman are given a side eye to, to Sammy of like, we still don't really trust you. And I heard somebody, I don't remember who said it, but it makes sense now why Roman would turn on Sammy is because Sammy turned on the thing that's the closest to him as family, like actual family and Kevin Owens, what's going to stop him from turning on the bloodline at some point. So I feel like they're going to turn on him sooner, maybe like rumble time, even during this, they're going to turn, And I'm telling you, when they turn, it's going to be sadder than when Kevin Owens turned on Chris Jericho. Like, it's going to be emotional when they finally turn on Sami Zayn. It is going to be really sad. So here's two things. Number one, to your point about Sheamus and Shining, I felt like both War Games matches, once the match officially began, it was super short after that. Like, it was seven minutes and, like, we're going home. Like So I felt like we needed a little more interaction with all ten in both matches, really. But... To your second point, if anybody needs, I'm going to credit him because I couldn't have, I could have come up with this, but this is his idea. Anybody wants a great storyline fleshed out through this, go listen to Sam Roberts podcast this week, because he goes through how he thinks that the bloodline should turn on Sammy and how it should all work. And it's absolutely perfect. So he says that it'll be, I'm getting there. It'll be, Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns at the Rumble. And that's where they turn on Sammy. So that it sets up Roman versus Sammy at Elimination Chamber. Because Elimination Chamber is in Montreal, Sammy's hometown. Oh, my God. So that's where you get that match because it makes the most sense. Yeah. Then you have the bloodline beating down Sammy at the end of Elimination Chamber. Kevin Owens comes out to make the save at the end of Elimination Chamber, and then Kevin Owens turns on Sami Zayn, and we get Owens and Zayn at WrestleMania, not as a tag, but as a single. Nah. You I, had me up until the last sec- last part. <laughs> I've, I, I've read some stuff and heard it pitched different ways and kind of put something together with every, what everybody said, but right. here, here, here's what I think should happen. So... Right now, Sammy is the hottest thing that there is going. I think that you have – okay, when we get to the Royal Rumble, if Sammy's in that bad boy, everybody is going to want Sammy Zayn to win. Sure. And they're going to absolutely poop on anybody else winning. You have Sammy win the Royal Rumble. Now he's earned himself a championship match. For whatever reason, instead of doing it at WrestleMania – there's some sort of negotiation done where that he says, Hey, I want this to be in Montreal, my hometown. You have Sammy versus Roman in Montreal. You have Sammy lose, of course, because he will. And they get mad because he didn't just step aside for Roman. They all beat him down and Kevin Owens music plays. Out comes Kevin Owens to help saves the day. Everybody's happy. You have Kevin and Sammy 
team up to finally take the belts off of the undefeated Usos at WrestleMania. See, I was I was all for that storyline too. Like I'm all Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn win the tag belts until Sam pitches this. Kevin turned turns on Sammy because Sammy turned on him because having those two guys go at it one on one at Mania, I don't would be just as good as them winning the tag belts. I think. See, I that's where I I disagree because I feel like we and I, you know it's kind of like we talked about with Finn and AJ. Anytime you have Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn in a ring together wrestling each other, it's going to be match of the night. Nobody else really has a chance at that point. Sure. But we haven't seen them team together to go after tag titles. Like they have yet to do that. That is that's more of a WrestleMania moment to me than the two of them fighting each other at WrestleMania. I think we're still at some point at one of these WrestleManias. We're going to get Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn at some point. But after the promo Kevin cut on Raw, mm-hmm. he just flat out came out and said, "Look, Sammy, I don't blame you. How many times have I stabbed you in the back? Like I've stabbed you in the back more than anybody. Why should I be shocked that you did it to me finally? So like I don't think we're it wouldn't make sense for him to cut that promo and then turn his back on Sami Zayn down the line at some point. I think that's going to happen at some point, but I feel like the the money match is like Kevin Owens versus Sam uh, Kevin Owens versus Roman at the Rumble. Roman wins. They turn on Sami. We get Sami versus Roman at Montreal in Montreal. Roman still wins. They beat down. Kevin comes out makes the save. They go after the Usos. So Sammy can finally get his revenge on Jay Uso once and for all, and Jimmy, because Jimmy's more of a of a jerk than Jay is, because Jay's been upfront about it. Jimmy's been behind his back the whole time, right? And then Listen. we go in, we have that match, and it goes from there. I I don't think Jay's the first one to hit Sammy when they turn. I think it's Jimmy. I think Jimmy hits him with the super kick before Jay does. So the way that Sam laid it out, and this makes a lot of sense, the way that they could turn is you have them cut a promo and say something about how Sammy is says he's given everything to the bloodline. He gave you his best friend. He's, you know, blah, blah, whatever. And then Roman looks at him and says, well, Sammy, if you've given us everything, what is there left to give? And Sammy says, I've got nothing left to give. I've given you everything. And Roman says, okay, well, that makes you useless to the bloodline. And then that's how they end up turning on him because he's of no use to them anymore. Makes a lot of sense. I just think, I'm like you, Andy, you hit the nail on the head, I think. The moment that Jey Uso and Sami Zayn finally go at it at WrestleMania, the place will go madness. Like, it will be insane when they finally go at it. I think it'll be awesome. And I think, you know, I've been on this podcast and said before that I'm fine if it's Sami versus Roman at WrestleMania, and Sami's the one that takes the titles off of Roman. I'm perfectly fine with that. I know a lot of people probably aren't, but I, I think that would be fantastic. I think you're. I think Jared's right in the fact that if Sammy's in the Rumble, there's only like two, maybe two people that could win it that the crowd will not crap on. I think Cody. If Cody wins it, I think the crowd might be fine. They might not be. It, it's one of those. And then if the Rock's in it at number thirty, everybody's gonna love the Rock winning the Rumble. Um, so I don't I really. Think, I, think, I, I think Seth Rollins is your third there. Possibly. Yeah, I don't know I though. Same. Probably, but Sam Sammy's just over on a different level right now. He like is. he he is the most over guy in the company. And it's not even really close. Like he's to me, he's more over than Roman is because when you got a crowd, when you got everybody in the ring and they're chanting Sammy Uso instead of Roman Reigns or whatever, he's he is the most over guy in the company. And I feel like you could ride that for as long as you can 
going into WrestleMania. But to the point that we've always we talked about earlier, does Becky need to win the Royal Rumble to set up her match with Ronda? No. Does Rock need to win the Rumble to set up his match with Roman? No. Does Sami Zayn really need to win the Rumble to set up a match with Roman? Or have we kind of told that story and we just get there? You know what I mean? So, yeah. Jared, I think I think to your point, Sami Zayn winning the Rumble would be fantastic. The place would lose their ever-loving mind. But can we get the same result and get to the same match, so to speak? I mean, I just think it's great that, like, we're having this conversation about something that we feel so strongly about, and we're all trying to book this different ways. Um, and there's nothing else in wrestling that's going on that we're doing this with. Right. And, you know, back in the day, uh, Chris, you remember whenever that we'd, we'd bust out the wrestling figures and, you know, we'd try to book out our own storylines, and there were all these great storylines like Brett and Sean uh, going into Montreal, and you had uh, – you know, Triple H and all the people that he went against and had feuds with him and Batista, uh, whenever they turned on Randy Orton, Evolution did, um, all these storylines that we had in the past that we would try to book out. And we loved it because stories were being told. And then we went through this long, long process. Maybe we should call it the age of no stories. And just all kinds of stuff happened for no reason. And there were good matches, but there was no long-term stories. And I'm just so glad that like, there's something that we can actually discuss and have heated debates about what we think is going to happen with a particular story. So I think that's great. It's very interesting. It's very, very interesting. For sure. We'll see how it <laughs> plays out. As we head towards the Royal Rumble, it's getting a lot closer than we uh, than not. We're two months away from the Royal Rumble, and then WrestleMania is right around the corner. Uh, we will keep you up to date here on the Bite Bomb Wrestling Podcast for all of your current product needs. Uh, but that's going to do it for Survivor Series. Uh, check us out on Friday. We'll dive into some AEW stuff. Um, but we hope you've enjoyed this bonus episode. Mr. Jared Justice, thanks for hopping on, man. We appreciate it. Always a fun time, boys. Always a fun time. Always a fun time. All right, make sure you're following us at PBW Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, make sure you're subscribed wherever you find the podcast and on BodySum.com YouTube channel. For Mr. Jared Justice, Mr. Andy York, my name is Chris Dawson. Thanks for hanging out with us on this edition of the Bite Bomb Wrestling Podcast. We will catch you guys down the road.